for listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined as always by Philip Russell and Ryan Shutt, coming at you on Sunday evening, a wee bit late. Schedules schedules didn't allow the normal recording, so we're coming at you pretty late on Sunday. Hopefully, you're able to either join us tonight on YouTube live here or listening to us sometime this upcoming week. Uh, Philip, how are you doing on this Sunday evening? I'm good personally, but I'm sad basketball wise, but we'll get to that. Ryan, how are you doing, buddy? I'm I'm not even going to lie. I am exhausted, but knowing that I got to end my week talking with my two best boys uh, kept me going. So it is it is a great way to end my very long weekend by getting to hang out with you guys and talk some Phoenix Suns basketball and Minnesota Vikings football if we want to. Do we want to go down that rabbit hole? Honestly, seven and one. There's you more like ex- hey, there's more excitement there this week than there is in, in Suns World, uh, even with a three in one week. But uh What's football? It's this it's the concussion sport. Yeah, you know concussion ah, games? Yeah, it's like yeah, hunger games, but just sport? like yeah, brain yeah, trauma. Yeah, that one. The uh, Will Smith movie is about yeah. that, right? Thing. Yes. Goodness. All right, cool. Because that's what people talk about when yeah. Will Smith gets brought up this year. Hancock. Uh, yeah. So anyway, wanted to go ahead and kick us off with a little a little thing I wanted to do. This is probably silly, but if you're new here, if this is your first time listening, if this is your first time watching, wanted to call out two things. Number one, we're into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Brightside Podcast Network. And we are glad that you are joining us, whether that's YouTube, any podcast platform. We appreciate it. Want to go ahead and say, if you enjoy the show, feel free to subscribe on YouTube or any of the other channels, just so you know when we're putting stuff out. It also helps algorithms, which is a thing. I've never talked about this because I'm not smart enough to understand it. Um, So there we go. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, One might even say you're our honored guest. Wow. Absolutely. If you're listening with us tonight, you're our honored guest, and we would love the opportunity to meet you uh, before you leave the podcast. Announcement number two. (laughs) Announcement number two. Now, this one is is legit here. (laughs) Announcement number two. On Twitter, this this is actually completely roasting us while sharing some love. Uh, a Twitter account called Suns Uniform Tracker, which is a big, big Twitter account in the Suns Twitter world. A lot of good stuff in terms of like personal design, graphic design, also just talking about the team, put out a tweet saying, what's the best Suns podcast? Don't just hype your friends either. Luckily, we don't have those. So no worries there. Like, what's the best one? And there was an overwhelming, overwhelming amount of votes. But they weren't for us. But one person, one person at Starry Lilac said, I refuse to only pick one and then listed a few. And they listed us. So I just want to say to Starry Lilac, whoever you are out there. You are a real one. We appreciate you. We, we're not here. We're not here taking, uh, taking swings up, aiming for the top spot. We're here to have a good time. And if you happen to enjoy it, we are continuing to make content for, for you. And everyone else out there. Pause. Go for ahead, all buddy. the new people, we're not swinging at the top spot because we like them a lot. Facts. Also true. Yes. Every That's one thing that did crack me up. Every, all the people in the responses who were talking about all the other great shows, I was like, absolutely. Those are great shows. And it was um, how it was described. The one that I saw that was talking about us, it was like, it's like a mix 
of actual basketball and also not. And I'm like, nailed, nailed it. Ah, so it's you two and me. <laughs> Got it. Oh. <laughs> listen, we we do this because we enjoy it. And if you choose to listen, we appreciate the heck out of it. Oh, Ethan, um, we've got a first time long time in the chat, by the way, if you want to throw that up on the. Uh, yeah, no, that would be Philip. <laughs> oh, OK. Philip himself is here on the YouTube chat. You can hang out well, with Philip. Thank you for the comment. Thank you so much, uh, Philip Russell. Longtime listener, first time commenter. Thank you so much. Uh, gentlemen, this is probably the most fun we're going to have this episode. First five minutes, because unfortunately, it, which is so lame, by the way, the Suns had a three in one week. Like it's a it's a bummer that one big event had to kind of shift the tone of of the episode and also the Suns fandom. And that is if, if you looked at the title of the episode you're listening or watching. Life without Cam Johnson, and that is because Cam Johnson, unfortunately, did get injured uh, this week. It was confirmed, I believe, from enough sources to make it as close to confirmed uh, the Suns themselves. Torn meniscus, he is going to be having surgery. He is out, quote, indefinitely. Now, I will go ahead and give the personal Ethan opinion on this. I myself tore my meniscus. Obviously, the level of athleticism and expectations for a Cam Johnson. We're going with an apples to apples comparison. And an, I appreciate and an that. Ethan Shut are a little different. I needed my knee to make it through two more years of high school and two years of college soccer. Cam needs a good enough knee to earn a big contract. I get it. But the Ethan medical story here is when you tear your meniscus and don't have any other damage to your ACL, MCL, or PCL, I believe is the third, you are given two options. And I've heard this pretty much across the board. I'm even seeing it now uh, from folks on Twitter and elsewhere who are kind of talking about it. You can either, what they say, clean it up, or you can fix it. Cleaning it up is they will go to the outsides of the meniscus. Meniscus is basically the sponge between the, the main bones of the knee. And when you tear it, the outside phrase. So they can either go and clean up the rough parts and kind of smooth it out, knowing full well that you have a future of arthritis ahead of you, which can confirm, or they can fix it where they really go in, repair it properly. But the difference in recovery time is six to eight weeks or potentially six to eight months. So that has not been announced yet. We know Cam is getting it fixed, but we don't know which route he's going. So that has been that's been the big story of the week. Guys, when when that happened, when you started seeing the Cam Johnson on on crutches tweets out there hobbling off the court, what were kind of your first thoughts? And I'll go ahead and say I will allow one Jay Crowder joke, two maybe, <laughs> but we gotta tone it down. I didn't I didn't have a Jay Crowder joke. I had a serious comment of like trade him now. So trade him as soon as possible, assuming assuming Cam's going to miss significant amount of time. The Suns need wing depth. All good teams need wing depth. And Jade sitting out was a knock against the Suns' wing depth to begin with. So now when he's, quote, not with team, end quote, and now Cam Johnson, there's our one joke, and Cam Johnson is hurt. Like you've got to do something because the wing depth cannot be Mikhail and Tory Craig. 
Because really what it is right now, it's Mikhail Torrey Craig and then Damian Lee, who if he's playing a three or four, which he's filling in sometimes, he did fill in sometimes this week, he's out of position. So you gotta you gotta get to getting, I think, if you're the front office. My my reaction was was kind of twofold. My first gut reaction, and this is a little cynical, was I, I feel like I just brought this up on the podcast a, a week or two ago, right? I put my tinfoil hat on and brought up Cam Johnson's history status or, or and talked about, you know, how he's been injury prone. He missed a game in the first week, um, got hurt a couple times within the first week of games. And I brought up the point, like, if that happens, if something happens, it's going to be a long-term thing for Cam. And lo and behold, here we are just three weeks later, basically, talking about this. My second reaction, once I kind of put that aside, was I feel terrible for Cam, who was playing for a bag this season. Um, We like to see the good guys win. We like the guys that we support getting what's theirs. I really wanted to see Cam Johnson get paid. Uh, and and I feel like this is going to be a massive blow to that. And yes, he's still going to be very well off. Yes, he's still going to be financially secure. But man, I, you have to hate it for a guy who was playing well and was setting himself up to get a major payday um, within the next calendar year. Uh, and I'm just bummed for the guy, man. Like this really could have a big impact on his his compensation moving forward because, again, of that now in the back of their minds is, is he going to be healthy long-term? What does his body look like long-term? Can we keep him? Is he worth the kind of money that he's probably looking for? Uh, and there's a lot of question marks. So I just I just hate it for the guy, man. And having watched Ethan go through different injuries in high school, like I had a lot of them. That's that's it's no fun when it's it's you see like the grind it takes. And obviously, um, we see that all the time with athletes. We've seen Clay come back from from basically three years sitting out it just it just sucks it, it sucks for the sons it sucks for him um and, and man i just i i hope he gets the support around him mentally emotionally physically to, to be back better than ever um when all said and done and i wanted to to take a quick pause before um kind of continuing this conversation because i've got a question that i, I kind of want to just pick your brains on this week, like we said, our tone is down and somber, and we're really bummed about this. We have we have been uh, strong, loud members of the uh, Cam Johnson Hive for a while now. Um, but big picture, I do want to just say, if you haven't been able to follow along this week, our last episode, we were recording while playing Houston on Ryan's birthday and Devin Booker's birthday and Sam Cooper's birthday. Big, big birthday for Phoenix Suns podcasters and players. Uh, The Suns ended up winning that one handily, followed it up with a win against Minnesota. And then the Cam Johnson injury happened on November 4th in the loss to the Trailblazers, which we'll probably discuss a little bit. And then the following night, they beat the Blazers. So they went three and one. To Ryan's credit, we always do our predictions for the upcoming week. Ryan correctly predicted that. Uh, But... What I want to talk about, we're now sitting seven and two, both losses being to the Trailblazers, which we can we can discuss more of that later because the last loss is frustrating in many ways. As we look at the Cam Johnson situation, here's the question that popped up in my mind. If you're Cam Johnson and you're contemplating a put a Band-Aid on a big problem and get back in there, right? 
This is this is this is your free agent year. This is your year to go out, show the rest of the league what money you deserve, if you will. At the same time, obviously trying to show your worth to the Suns and contribute, you're finally starter. Do you say, I'm going to do what I can to get back out there as soon as possible to show my worth in such an important season? Or do I say, look, I'm, I I think he's 26, 27, maybe, maybe 26. Like, I'm not an 18 year old, 19 year old going through this. I'm, I'm a little older than the rest in my draft class here. I would rather make sure I take care of this properly to take care of myself long-term, even if that might come at an immediate sacrifice of this next deal. Also knowing probably that that would mean he's sticking around in Phoenix. Because if he doesn't play this season, it would be, I mean, other teams have done crazier things, but it'd be surprising for a team to throw a bag at him coming off of a recovery year. Which of those two options do you think makes the most sense for Cam? And Ryan, I'll let you go first on that. It's hard to place myself in the mindset of Cam because we're talking with about salaries and and money and career choices that the three of us will probably never in our lifetime have to actually make decisions on. But I can't speak to is the decision I would personally like him to make. And that's I would rather him take the time to do this thing right, to to do a, a potentially longer recovery if it means extending his career. Um, rushing back to hopefully prove yourself for some for some contract that you don't know is coming total wise um, and risking the longevity of your career to me isn't worth it. I especially to your point, if it would make sense for Phoenix to keep him moving forward, I would rather him undergo what he needs to undergo go with a longer recovery if it means doing this thing right and hopefully not having to deal with it again philip what about you i don't know man i i don't know if there's if that situation would wind up being that dichotomous where it's either we put a band-aid on it or it's this longer term fix to get back to it I'm pretty confident in saying he's going to get direction where the Suns, the Suns medical staff are going to make a recommendation for him about what's best for his future. Because I think we would all agree what's best for Cam Johnson's future at this point is what's best for the Suns because he seems like a guy who's going to be with the franchise for a long time. So I'm going to be pretty non-committal on this and kind of like Ryan, I, I can't imagine what it would be like if you're sitting there saying, I'm older, I've proven to be semi-injury prone, and now I have to make this decision, or even better yet, get input from the team, get input from his camp, his agent, his family, and then roll from there, roll with whatever that collective says is the best course of action. It's tough. Like, I... And I think the added pressure comes to how well the Suns are doing when you are viewing it in the lens of, yeah, but if I can be back even at 90% and help my team win this thing or contend again, and this is coming from a guy who is a five-year college player, was never the star, has really found himself a really good situation, 
a coach and GM that believed in him a lot, you know he is wanting to give everything he can. But to your point, Philip, I hope the Suns organization, medical staff, people in Cam's corner are saying, look, you being here long term at your best is the most beneficial. But that leads us to, in my opinion, what comes next? And that's the conversation I want to move on to because I personally here, I feel pretty confident. I could be completely wrong. I think he is going to take the fix the problem surgery. It's early enough in the season. There's enough other question marks around it. I almost think if he comes back, it doesn't recover like he thinks after shaving it off. Sorry, it's such a weird phrase to use in any situation. Uh, And then he doesn't perform and he has a bad season and a bad knee going into free agency. I think playing it safe is the take care of the problem. So let's say he does. Let's say Cam is out for months. We have Jay Crowder, uh, famously not with team. Well, that was my question to you guys was, do you think the Suns are talking to Jay with any kind of seriousness about coming and playing again? And if, do you guys want him back? We'll start there. Do I want him? 100% yes. If, If he comes back, I would assume that means bridges were mended. I mean, something big would have to happen based on everything that's been said publicly. But if you're saying that I could have normal Jay Crowder back, obviously. But I think that's unrealistic. Uh, Philip, I'll go to you on Ryan's first question. Do you think the Suns have reached out or would reach out to Jay? Because I can't see that happening either. For those listening to the podcast, I'm shaking my head. No. I, I can't either. I just was curious what y'all's feelings were on that. Because it it's like you, you have the solution right there. You have the fix. But... It, but that's that's part of my thing. It's not a fix. It's not a fix this season because Cam's doing a lot more than what Jay has sure. ever done, and he has a bigger offensive bag. And then you add to that, the defense has been good enough to start the season to say you're not necessarily missing Jay right now. And if you're looking for a wing who's going to come in and be more physical on the glasser who can take charge against a guy like Jeremy Grant. Torrey Craig's been doing that. Torrey Craig has been mm-hmm. playing really well. His three-point shooting wasn't as good this week. It wasn't nearly as good this week as it was to start. He the was he was season. out he was out of the norm at the beginning. But he but he plays physically where Cam might not be able to. So I don't I don't necessarily think they're missing a Jay Crowder type player very much right now again that's with cam johnson in the lineup so with cam johnson out of the lineup phillips already mentioned one name but the two names that i think are going to be brought up the most are dario saric and tory craig i think those are the two names that are going to float to the surface as the how do we plug the hole for the short term and again short term could be the season and i wanted to make one small note If things had gone differently uh, the other night, I think we'd have some great information to share with you all, the listeners, as, okay, what did the Suns do in in their first post-Cam Johnson game? The problem was, if you're looking at the stats of that game to, to make any argument at all, you're not going to be able to. That game was a route from early on. The rotations were far from normal in no no time at all. 
and you end up with a game where Bismack plays 13 minutes, Akogi plays 16, Sarge plays 21, Damian Lee plays 28, Shaman at 20, right? Like the most of anyone was Booker at 29, and he probably didn't need to be out there that long. So we've not seen it. I know there's been a game post-injury, but we have not seen what the Suns are going to do now that Cam Johnson's out of the lineup. I want to start with uh, kind of the first topic or question. I think the odds on favorite would be Tory Craig moves into that role and just is a near minute for minute match with Cam Johnson. If I was putting money on a solution, I think that makes the most sense. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that's good enough for the Suns to sustain the success they have found so far? Uh, Philip, I'll, I'll go to you first on that one. That might be the solution for the next few games. Is it enough to sustain, what is it, seven and two? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Because teams are going to start funneling the ball to Torrey Craig and saying, okay, first unit for the Suns, if we're getting beat, it's going to be at the hands of Torrey Craig. And he, we were talking about how he was 50% from three. He's already down below 41%. After a little bit of a rough shooting week, he's he is not offensively capable enough to do what Cam Johnson was doing. And then because of that, it's like a snowball effect. It's like this week when campaign wasn't in the lineup for the second unit, everything gets harder. There's less penetration, mm -hmm. which means there's less space for other guys to operate, which means the shot clock's going later, which means bad to maybe average one-on-one -on -one players are hoisting shots late in the shot clock. So there's a snowball effect when it's a guy like Torrey Craig instead of a guy like Cam Johnson. I know we're on the Johnson train. I do think that's a great shout out though of the, I said we're on the Johnson train, didn't I? <laughs> Tough man. I can't win them all guys. Uh, great shout on the campaign absence, Philip. I think campaign being out of game had a significantly larger impact than I would have imagined in terms of kind of what's driving the success of the second unit. Um, but keep on topic here, Tory Craig moving to the starting lineup is another disruptor to that second unit. So I think we're on the same page. Tory Craig will be that guy. I think Phillips already mentioned the pitfalls that are going to come from that in terms of just general offensive inefficiency and to say, all right, that means books getting doubled more and we know where that double's coming from. What's going to happen here? And we don't know quite yet. And I, I was trying to think back to playoff minutes from two years ago, if that happened much, where the other teams were kind of funneling it to Tory. We didn't see that much. We actually saw teams funneling it to Jay on occasion when he was in the starting lineup. And I think it, it worked for the other teams. But let's say Tory becomes the starter. Dario played, what did I say, 21 minutes last night, four of nine from the field. Not bad. Still a little rusty, I think. I don't think that's too harsh. I know he's still figuring things out. Do you think Dario is now officially in the rotation? I have a whole thing on this. Go for it, baby. He's an undersized five. He is not a four. He is yep. not a wing player. He's slow. He's not fleet of foot enough to guard anybody. If you're, may I if make a quick comparison before you continue? He reminds me of a center in high school. You know what I mean by that? 
He's La he's rural the, Kentucky high school center. Hundred percent. He is the he is the big center on a local Kentucky high school basketball team. He's just he's, just because he's tall. He's bigger. He's wider, but he's not quick enough to play the wing. He it just offensively his bag is a bunch of post moves that he learned when he was the big kid in sixth grade, and then he took him with him as he developed. Like that is that is his offense, but he can he can pass and facilitate. I get that, but you can continue your rant. The dude's a five, no matter what his yeah. body type may be. Yeah, and it's it's not much of a rant except to say it's fine against a team like the Blazers because their offense was hot garbage yesterday. It was so bad. I mean, the Suns scored. The Suns were not good on offense yesterday and won by twenty because the Blazers were awful. So yeah, you're going to get away with it against a team like the Blazers, who's missing Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard. But you're not going to get away with playing Dario at the four against any competent offense in the NBA. So no, no, no. I would stamp my feet saying, <laughs> do not replace Cam Johnson at all with Dario Saric, unless you're in a unique circumstance like that Blazers game. Yeah, I'm. I'm nervous. I think I, I think I think Philip hit the the nail on the head earlier though when he said the time to shop Jay and get him out of here is now. I think that's the answer is you have to find somebody who's not on the team to come in and, and fill this. I don't think there's a long-term solution as the team is currently built and that's something James Jones is going to have to get on ASAP. I'm hoping and this is super optimism I'm hoping whatever minutes Saric is going to get can up his trade value from the seller where we all kind of thought it was. Hopefully he takes this opportunity. And honestly, for the Suns, I think we've all said this to some extent, more than likely you are packaging multiple players, putting them together and sending them out. There is now a, a grouping of minutes that are up for grabs. I am hopeful that the players that get those minutes do well enough to that they can increase their own value so that we can send them elsewhere. That sounds horrible, but like, I don't think Jay Crowder alone is going to get us who we're looking for. I think if he could, we would see it by now. I also think what we needed to happen was for some other team to have a Cam Johnson situation. We needed another team who was in contender status in this is it status to lose their starting power forward for any amount of time. And they can say there is a dude out there who fits the puzzle piece perfectly. We need to get him. What, however we do it, that's fine. And unfortunately, the thing we needed happened to us. And so we're now stuck here with a power forward who can't play because he's hurt. One who can't play because he doesn't want to be there. And we're just kind of looking around and saying, okay, what do we do now? So let's look at the rest of the bench unit. Campaign, obviously, I think showed his value by not playing uh, in, in the game this week, seeing how much he has been doing to uplift the rest of the guys. But as Tory Craig moves to that starting rotation, I think we're all on the same page there. Who else do you think could take advantage of this opportunity? Who do you think can get an increased minute count or just an increased role within this second unit? Because the second unit is hitting. They have some chemistry. They are doing well, but something will be changing because of this. 
Uh, Philip, I'll, I'll tee it up for you first. Who do you think can take advantage of this opportunity? Damian Lee, because he's the most versatile player on the bench. I'm pretty sure we've seen him play two through four at least, and at times initiating the sets as well. I think we're just going to see the value that he brings in the upcoming weeks because he can come in. And again, this is what I said at the beginning of the season. He's the kind of player who can come in and fill a role. Even if that means he's going to play undersized and his job is just to be in the mix, helping out with defensive rebounding, he's going to do it. Ryan, anything anything you want to add there? Just for the sake of curiosity, I'd like John Kogi to get a few more minutes. And I think this could be a cool opportunity for, for him maybe to do that. Uh, I've liked for the most part what I've seen from him so far. Um, and, I, and I could see him kind of being a beneficiary of some of those extra minutes up for grabs, even if it's just an extra three or four here and there. Um, I, I think Damian Lee to Phillips point is the one that makes the most sense. Uh, I, I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see Okogi get a, a few more minutes thrown at him. I think Josh Okogi had a really good showing uh, in this last game, in the second game against the Blazers. I think his, I think he's exactly what we thought he would be, unfortunately. And I'll explain that. I think defensively, he is an absolute menace. Uh, the way he closes out and defends at the point of attack, whether that's on a closeout, how he's handling a high pick and roll, he is everything we wanted defensively. But I also think, just like we said, he is an ultimate utility guy that you kind of break glass type of thing of we need him for this. Offensively, I was I was hoping there would be more there that I've not seen yet. And to Phillip's point, I don't think Damian Lee is the best defensive option. And I don't think he is the best offensive option but I think he is the best combined option to where he is able to do a lot on both ends. And in terms of minutes per game, I looked this up trying to just see at least how things had gone. Damian Lee right now is averaging the sixth most minutes per game at 18. That's, that's pretty impressive. Damian Lee's averaging 18.2 a game followed up by jock at 17 Landry and Tory and campaign are all at 16 and change. So there's been a pretty defined set here. One idea I wanted to float out there, and maybe this is, this is two out of left field. If they're wanting to utilize the same guys that they've already got in a pretty good system and a pretty good flow. What do we think of the idea of Tory moving into the starting rotation biz at the five within the second unit and trying to see how jock plays at the four. I think his facilitating is good enough. I think defensively his work rate is high enough. I, I hate saying this. I genuinely would prefer less Bismack minutes to more Bismack minutes. That's just my official basketball stance at this point. I love him as a person. I don't think him on the court is ever our best option. But if you're wanting to at least keep using the guys that have been playing the most, do you see if Jock can play the four? What are our initial thoughts to to that idea, at least as a way to try to stabilize the second unit now that Tori's kind of moved on up? I have a tendency, and I'm going to try to practice some self-awareness right now. 
I have a tendency to look at some of this stuff through a playoff lens, maybe a little too much. So a lot of times when I'm throwing a hissy fit saying, no, 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 Dario can't play the four, I'm seeing the Suns getting absolutely mollywopped in the playoffs if he's playing right, the right. four. It's probably something similar with Jock at the four. Could they survive against lesser teams? Yeah, probably. But what do you want in the playoffs? You want Jock to come off the bench as your backup five. You want to have Busy there who can back up DA. If DA gets in foul trouble, he can be the stopgap for that time. And you don't want those two guys sharing the court. So again, maybe like against the Blazers, it can work occasionally, but that's not the rotation that I would be looking for. I think regular season, though, it just needs to be a Band-Aid. Because I, we, we, right. I think we all came to the conclusion last episode, the episode before, Come playoff time, this group's not it. Mm. And that was with Cam. With Cam out, I think it just emphasizes even more the need to go outside. And I don't remember which one of us, if we discussed this on the episode or not, but I thought it was really telling that when DeAndre Ayton was hurt, Busy jumped from third to first center to keep Jock with that second unit. I think they're very happy with him, Cam, Damian, Landry, doing their thing, building that synergy, which is a stupid word, but like they like what is being created there. I I don't think they would want to disrupt that, but I am just, I don't know if they can continue. Oh man. I don't think they can be successful even in the regular season. If they are relying on Dario to take the the role from Tori on the bench unit because I start getting really, really concerned about the defensive efficiency of that second unit to the extent where I almost would put Dario in the starting rotation to have Tori Craig still on the second unit. If you're just looking at net positives and negatives, offensive and defensively, McHale and DA can cover up some of Dario's wrongs defensively. Tori is a great addition defensively to the starting unit. But now you're saying defensively, a, a rotation, if they're all out there together, of campaign, Landry Shamit, Dario, Josh, uh, sorry, Damian Lee, and Jock, how, what does that look like? like? Do you think that that five can keep your, your starters in games? Because I don't, I don't know. And maybe I'm being too pessimistic here and just drinking my sad boy hours of Cam Johnson getting hurt. But like, Ryan, do you get concerned with not just trying to replace Cam in the starting lineup, but then we're still worried about replacing Tori in the second unit? Cause I think that's going to be a bigger loss than some people might be talking about. Yes. No, I, I mean, I think we've, we've talked about it since the off season that depth is an issue. When you take out then one of your biggest players from your starting five, there's a ripple effect. There's a waterfall effect. This is going to be, I think a test of, of Monty's ability to adapt and adjust and mess around. We've seen them running several different lineups early on this, this season, kind of figuring things out. I think it's going to be a lot of, of piecemeal run different, uh, different five player rotations to figure what works. Cause honestly, if I had to guess, I'm guessing Monty doesn't have the answer right now. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I don't have a great feeling about uh, until I see our names being thrown out on the trade market. I don't love where we're at. And I think it's 
I'm not in like panic mode or like you know DefCon three or whatever it is at this point, but I, I I'm not feeling great. I, I'm I'm not feeling great. Philip, I got a question for you. Which of these injuries, in your opinion, would hurt the Suns the most this season? Chris Paul being out for six months or Cam Johnson being out for six months? I don't know. Isn't that weird that there's not the the first team, all NBA, all star, blah, blah, blah. It is weird that there's been such a significant difference to perceived value from Chris Paul this season in such a short amount of time. That That is less a slight at Chris Paul and more a testament to the wings and how good they have been, especially the twins, especially the twins, which I'm about to talk about in our next segment. So I'm not going to go into it here, but Mikhail and Cam have been phenomenal to start this season. And that is, I'm, it's cliche to say this about guys who seem like best friends, but it's like, they're the dynamic duo out there on the wings and offensively it is, it was becoming really special. Well, let's go ahead and hop right in there. We've we've been talking a while here, and uh, that's uh, some poor podcast management on uh, yours truly right here. Let's go ahead and hop into the reason that people keep coming back to the show, our highs, our lows, and our just-so-you-knows. And, Philip, I'll let you go ahead and take it for our highs for the week, and I'll let you keep talking. Yeah, and it's the, it's the offensive capability of the Wings. Just to shout out Cam Johnson and how he was playing last three games before injury. New Orleans, 16 points on 5 of 10 from the field. Houston was 19 points on 7 of 15 from the field and 5 of 11 from 3, which is really good efficiency. Minnesota, 29 Mm -hmm. on 10 of 17, 7 of 11 from 3. Should have been a FanDuel night for me, even though I live in Kentucky, because I wrote down in, in the week, my preparation big picture before the week began, I marked the Timberwolves game down, and I said one of the Twins is popping off that game because one of them was going to be guarded by Cat or Gobert, and I was like, they're just going to move around enough that they're going to be open a lot. So it was really good. Now, a couple other things the Wings are doing to try to get some excitement back, because this isn't just Cam Johnson. I don't know if you guys have noticed the early screens, the early slip screens, really, that are occurring in transition. It's usually been Mikhail or Cam Johnson setting a screen on one of the wings for Booker, and it just gets the defense in rotation pretty early. If both defenders come out at Booker, it's Mikhail or Cam going at the rim. If they switch, a lot of times it can be a favorable matchup, or it can initiate the offense in really exciting ways. I like that kind of stuff. I like that early action to try to generate some good offense, some non-isolation offense early in the clock. and then. Mikhail's court vision this year has been really good. Like he's making cross court passes. He's slashing at great times. His timing on cuts has been really good. And then we've already talked about Torrey Craig and his rebounding. He's pulling down an offensive rebound and a half in just 14 minutes of play. So when you add that up to his per 36, he's, he's been exceptional on the offensive glass. So like that combination of those three, it kind of adds to the, to the weight of this podcast and how much of a bummer it is that Cam got hurt. But those three, as your wing depth for the Suns, they had been so, so good. Ryan, what's your high for the week? Uh, 
my high for the week from a, from a game standpoint has been Tory Craig. Uh, I know his three point shooting has dropped off quite a bit, uh, dropping down to around the 41% mark, but um, I'm glad we are getting a Tory Craig who is playing better than he was last season going into this injury than the Tory Craig we had going most of the season that um, last season when we, when we got him from uh, the trade late in the season. Uh, personal high this week is that the next four games all have a, a tip off earlier than 10 Eastern. Uh, and that's really exciting for me for a guy who normally has to stay up late uh, to try and catch games. All of the next games are eight o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock Eastern seven and seven thirty, And that is just something to rejoice over. No complaints here either, man. No complaints. Uh, yeah. My high is, is very similar to kind of what Philip was saying. I feel like a lot of the guys who we had increased or elevated expectations for this season have delivered early and often. I think Mikhail and Cam have both shown improvement in areas where we were hoping to see it. You know, even if it's not always flat, flashy box score numbers, they are playing their roles so well. DA has looked good. Obviously, the injury was a bummer. Booker has increased a lot of key stats that we were looking for as he continues to really put together a good early season had a couple bummers if you would uh the last two weeks he's kind of had one bad night each week but overall smaller sample size still great and the only guy we really didn't have increased expectations on was chris paul and we asked him to play less and he's playing less so i mean things things seem to be going the direction we would like the cam injury, I think it's hard to to not have that kind of just be kind of the, the gray cloud over a lot of the positivity here. Um, but overall, seven and two is a fantastic start and not one that I expected. They seem to have either worked through growing pains or growing pains didn't really exist. And, and we might have over inflated some of our concerns with the new guys coming in. So overall, a continued great start to the early season. And we talk all the time, teams are finding out a lot about themselves early on, and that means a lot of good teams have some ugly losses early and figure it out. If you can stockpile some of these ugly wins, early wins, you set yourself up really well for later on. So that's my high. My low for the week is officiating with an asterisk that says karma. So the loss to the Blazers, within the last two-minute report from the refs, they had Three total missed calls, I believe. They missed a defensive three seconds on the Blazers that didn't get called. They call. They said they should not have called the Mikhail Bridges walk on the final possession for the Suns. And then they realized they missed the Jeremy Grant walk on his final play, the buzzer beater that won it. Now, my asterisk for karma is all Suns fans who are honest with themselves know that we won a game this year already on a walk that didn't get called, but should have been. So big picture for the season, I think I think we probably just call it even Steven and move on. It does suck that it wasn't just that they missed that walk. They also called an incorrect one and missed another call. That just sucks. But at the end of the day, with how poorly the Suns played to still beat the Blazers the next night, I think I think splitting is is okay. A three in one week, it's not the end of the world. But officiating, let me down. That's all right. Philip, what do you got for your low for the week? 
we already covered it a little bit. It's the bench offense without campaign. So we won't rehash that conversation, but I try to be positive in the hype. Here's the rub. I think if campaign is significantly valuable to your team, then your team has a major flaw. And I think that's another place. The backup guard and initiating guard is another place for the Suns to look when it comes to trading guys like Jay Crowder, Dario Saric, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Ryan, what you got, bud? Uh, my low for, for the week was also the Portland loss, not necessarily for the officiating, because the game should never have come down to that. When you're playing a Portland team who doesn't have Anthony Simons, doesn't have Damian Lillard, and your game outcome is determined still in that point by the refs, uh, you that, that just a, that's a bad loss, especially the next night when you show uh, that you're beating them by 20 on, a, on an off night and you can still do that. That's just a, a bad loss you shouldn't take. Um, and that, that was just disappointing to see. All right, Ryan, just so you know, for this week in Suns basketball, what you got? My just so you know, is that despite having the injuries, uh, to, to, that we're dealing with, with some guys banged up, we got Johnson's injury. I feel pretty good about this next week slate of games. We've got Philly away, which I think is, is going to be a tough one without Harden. Without, without hard, hard right. But then help. we've got Minnesota Timberwolves, who we've already shown we can beat. Uh, and then we have a, a pretty poor Orlando Magic game and a Miami Heat team who's kind of underperformed so far this season. So despite being in a rough situation, if there was a slate of games to have coming up, especially before Golden State the next week, um, those are those are some pretty good ones to have here coming up. Hopefully to get some things figured out before a tougher slate of game that include the Jazz twice the Knicks and the Warriors. Man, who would have thought that the Jazz would be a team we're actually kind of worried about this season? <laughs> right? Who would have thought? Uh no. Uh I'm excited for this week. I think this week has a fun slate of very different teams. I'm also excited to watch the Magic because I think they're a lot of fun and have a phenomenal rookie who everyone should be watching. Um my just so you know is that I'm really sad that Cam Johnson's hurt. That's legitimately <laughs> it. I think everyone here knows that I have been a a no very, more Cam Johnson Thursdays for a while. Been a very big Cam Johnson guy since since day one. I am bummed, like actual, like sad for him. The whole situation. Uh, I hope it all works out for the best. Him first, then the team. To be quite frank, uh, I I just want it to work out for him. Uh, but Philip, our final. Just so you know. We have a history on this podcast of mentioning things that are happening around the NBA that are bigger than basketball. So we wanted to take a minute here at the end of the podcast to address some of the Kyrie Irving stuff, we'll say, that has been going on. And my just so you know can be summarized like this. What Kyrie is doing matters a lot. The promotion of that particular film, the kind of waffling back and forth between like, am I apologizing? Am I trying to be coy still? That stuff matters. And just a brief reason as to why it matters and why it's dangerous that he's been peddling in this. The film that he tweeted about includes a claim that Jews falsified the history of the Holocaust in order to conceal their, quote, nature 
and protect their status and power. It also promotes an idea that black people are the, quote, true children of Israel, which is a way for some extremist ideologies to marginalize Jewish people specifically within an American context. And it's tapping into an ideology that's shared by parts of a group known as the Black Hebrew Israelite Movement. And this particular group uses platforms like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter to disparage Jewish people through the questioning of historical facts, flagrantly co-opting religious texts that are about Jewish people to not be about ethnically Jewish people, and then promoting stereotypes. And the result of all of that is that it creates a schism or it intends to create a schism between groups of people who have been in America allies in the fight for civil rights. And then what's even more dangerous about it is that it can and has in the past promoted anti-Semitic violence. And so when Kyrie's saying stuff like, I know where I come from, therefore I can't be anti-Semitic. He's playing this kind of a game that's dangerous and wrong, and he needs to be held accountable for the garbage that he's been spewing and putting on his social media accounts. I think Ryan and I uh, would co-sign all of that. And yeah, I think it's it's worth talking about because it's a part of the NBA at large and also just the world that we're living in. And if you have questions about these things, I would just say do do some research. It's it's easy and fun to hear a hot take on ESPN or on the radio and and join us side, but but do your research. Uh just listening to Philip talk. Philip's a smart guy, but I don't think he came to all those conclusions just by knowing it. I think it takes some time to look stuff up and come to a conclusion on your own. Shout out to the Anti-Defamation League. There we go. Uh, well, gentlemen, uh, don't want to detract from that too much by, by getting goofy at the end here. Ryan already kind of covered our next week's slate of games, so we will be coming at you next weekend to talk all things Phoenix Suns. Uh, Cam Johnson in the point zero 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 one percent chance that you are listening. We love you so much, and we hope you get better soon. Uh, for the Suns fans listening, we appreciate you. Thank you to the bright side folks. And for Philip and Ryan, I'm Ethan Shut. This is Into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast. We out. Skull.